On today's episode of Oh So Curious, we're talking about Indy. Indy's back, and he's here for his last hurrah, and I went and saw the movie. And joining me today, we have Angelina. Angelina, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. I'm coming to you live from Miami outside of, I'm literally outside, like on a lake. So if I get eaten by mosquitoes and you see me swat at something today, that's what it is. I am honestly jealous because like, as you can tell, I am not outside. Um, yeah. I actually had to pull the curtains on the window. So I think it's sunny out, but like, you know, for, for the sake of lighting and everything, mm-hmm. got to look a little dramatic. Um, yeah. <laughs> but hey, at least the one thing we have in common, it's hot outside where you yes. are and where I am. It just happens yeah. to be the view is a lot better for you than it is for me. So. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, hoping you get to go to Florida soon. <laughs> yeah, I, I got it. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's only the, well, I guess it's July now. So like it's not quite yeah. the start of summer, but it's, you know, we're in the in the thick of it now. So uh, without any further ado, I do want to uh, touch upon uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's uh, mm-hmm. the fifth movie in the franchise. It's the last one with uh, Harrison Ford. And I mean, is who it knows for, for sure the last one? He's passing the torch in this movie. All right. So a little bit of a spoiler out the gate here. The movie kind of ends with a, a, a cheeky sort of a goodbye in, in the sense that uh, I, I want to give you the context of the, all the scene. But like there his he's got his hat drying on a clothes uh, line uh, like right outside his apartment. And then the, the shot kind of closes in like a circle, like this old school movie kind of a thing. Um, and then it holds on the on the hat for like a few seconds. And then you see him kind of pull it away and then the circle closes we go to black so um they sort of i feel like that's a spoiler that leaves it open-ended it's open-ended it's definitely yeah. open-ended like they were like he's not quite like literally he's not hanging it up just yet in a, in a mm-hmm. matter of speaking um and <laughs> well i guess that was a bigger spoiler because then that tells you he doesn't actually that there. just gives me i just got yeah. goosebumps i was <laughs> like that's good that's great i'm like that's yeah. good cinema when you don't quite know yeah it's a good movie oh, yeah. I, like yeah I, I was just gonna say the movie i love this movie because it's it has a bit of a throwback like essence to it it's much like top and maverick and and not the same way but it, it feels like one of those old school summer action adventure movies where they're not worried about like you know saving the world or anything like that anything like dower or uh, like you know the everything is on the line it's just a big adventure film you know you have there the characters are after something uh, it's, it's a you have a lot of action set pieces you have clever dialogue there's some good character development um and you know you're watching a character that you are regardless of how many of the previous films you've seen uh, of indiana jones or not which i think a lot of people that will go to see this this movie on opening weekend have probably seen all of the previous movies because like my theater was packed on a thursday night now granted it's a thursday night but i have to be honest the reactions were great everybody like you know was rousing and cheering for the big moments um and it was a family crowd like you had like there was people sitting next to me it was entire family on both sides there were two families so you had kids uh you had adults you know you had people of all ages so i think the movie is doing well with audiences it's audience score on rotten tomatoes is like in the high 80s i believe a critic score is in the 60s that's pretty good yeah, but I, you know, like honestly, I, I I see what some of the critics are saying in terms of the the pacing of the movie or the fact that it doesn't really tread a whole lot of new ground for Indiana Jones because, like, you mm-hmm. know, for a franchise that's been as wild and exotic in the past in terms of the stories and the places that it goes and the and the kind of uh, twists and turns you see, it this one doesn't really seek to reinvent the wheel or like you know what Top Gun Maverick did with like they were like 
we're not reinventing the wheel, but we're going to do what we have done before way better than it's ever done before ever. So, so they re- let me, you know? yeah, let me ask you yeah. some questions about the movie. I didn't get a chance to go see it. So like, I definitely want to go see it to somebody who hasn't gone to see it yet. What are the top three selling points to go see this movie? I would say if you want to go watch a summer action adventure movie, like for example, if you grew up on the National Treasure movies, or if you are a big Indiana Jones fan, or if you just like those kind of movies, and since Uncharted, you've been you know waiting for that next. It sort of has that like feel good adventure about it. Exactly. I love that. That's That's a little bit more lighthearted, especially because hitting on what you said earlier. I feel like so many movies have been end of the world doomsday movies lately and yeah it's a little exhausting like mentally it's exhausting so it's fun to sort of tap into that sort of like careless feeling um how would you say this movie holds up to the last ones because this is the first movie in like what 20 years well like in a decade and a half almost i think the last one came out in 2008 the crystal oh really yeah uh indiana jones and the legend of the crystal skull so um, or the kingdom of the crystal right? skull, I should say. <laughs> um, I was like, I've so bad things about that movie. Yeah, it's been a while. Now, I will address this. So you said like three reasons why you should go watch this movie. Yeah. Okay, so one reason was because it's a great adventure film. The second reason was because Shia LaBeouf is not in this. So I'll talk to you, uh, to t- answer the second question in a bit with that. Um, well, And I'm, I'm actually a Shia LaBeouf fan, but like I don't think he was the best fit for this franchise and he was in the yeah. last movie um and then the third reason would be because this movie has really got an up like an old school upbeat attitude about it mm. in terms of how nowadays movies kind of feel like oh to make it grounded something like you know dower has to happen somewhere whereas like a top and maverick you know they like last year they had go on this mission yes things don't go according to plan but ultimately they pull through and it's got this like upbeat ending this movie similarly is got this like upbeat ending where they kind of tease you with a few things like, oh, Indy's going to die and he's going to die again. Spoiler alert. But like <laughs> there's this funny scene where she's, he's like he wants to stay in the past. He's like, I got to do this. I, you know, I have to do it. And then um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character is like, well, so do I. And then she like punches and knocks him out so that she can bring him back to their present, which is like 1969, I think. Uh, right well, after the Apollo 11. Wait, are mission. they time? Are they time hopping? In the yeah. Show? Well, the Dial of Destiny is a basically a time travel oh, device. Um, wow! Big spoiler, guys. Sorry. I, it's it was sort of hinted at in the trailer anyway. Like and that part like, of it uh, is not so much the spoil. I'm not telling you like Phoebe where Waller they're Bridge... going. Oh. But yeah. Okay. Um, well, how does Phoebe Waller Bridge do? Because I know a lot of people were excited to see her. Some had a little bit of a question about it. Yeah. So Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character, I think, is a better fit for this franchise than Shia LaBeouf's character was mm-hmm. as Indy's son in, in the Crystal Skull film. So um, because here she's basically playing his goddaughter. And you kind of see that set up in the beginning of the movie where, you know, her, her dad and Indy are like on this adventure back in the 40s um, trying to uh, steal this Dial of Destiny from a Nazi on a, on a train. And that's where you see the, the, the de-aged Harrison Ford, which I got to be honest, like in the first 10 minutes of the movie, the de-aging in this movie is great. Like Disney is the best on the planet as far as the studio goes or like anybody in general de-aging people. So I thought the de-aging was fantastic. You can put de-aged Harrison Ford from this movie up against one of his movies from back in the 80s when he was in the peak of his prime. And I think it will, you know, I mean, yeah, it's is it exactly the how you would want it to be? No, but it but is 95% when, there. When you see it, are you like, oh God, that's CGI? 
no no i mean if anything was jarring i'm like oh my god wait like it was actually so good in some places i was like holy shit did that actually pull footage from like one of his older movies and just like kind of cut and paste it somehow uh it's that good i mean and I, and I know that's not what they're doing that's part of the technique they will go and like teach the the ai model like all those old images they'll feed it millions of images from his past work to help kind of put together what they got here and then they still do other work on top of that other vfx work beyond what the ai generates However, I will say that the aging in this is probably some of the best de-aging I've ever seen, especially considering you're taking a Harrison Ford who is in his 80s and trying to make him look like he's in his 40s. That's a lot more than what they were trying to do in The Irishman, where you're trying to take guys in their 90s and turn them into guys in their 60s or 70s. Yeah. So um, uh, I definitely th and then, you know, you see him at different stages of his career. You even see him like. Uh, maybe like what he might have looked at uh, when he was 50, 60 years old, and then his present day look. So they de-age him to like different parts of his pre, you know, past mm -hmm. life. Um, now I will say, Phoebe, again, going back to Phoebe Waller-Bridge, her character was fantastic. She really has the charisma to, I think, carry her own movie as like if they wanted to pass this franchise off and mm -hmm. do a spin-off with her character. I forgot. Her, I think it was like Hel Helena Shaw. I think was her name um, in the movie. Um, so. As far as how it, how it compares to the Crystal Skull, I, I would say this movie, while Crystal Skull somehow got better reviews, I think part of that was because while this movie is that throwback, uplifting kind of a, has that spirit, the movie watching viewing world, I think the world in general, I think coming off COVID and everything else, these days people are like, it has to be such a big home run to be great. And I think like, the the 77% I think Crystal Skull has for its Rotten Tomato score versus somewhere in the 60s. It's going to fluctuate still for uh, But people Destiny. do talk about the Crystal Skull as being like the worst. The in worst. Universe, so right? I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't think this movie should be rated lower than, yeah. like, but I get so it. You like, don't think it, it doesn't quite hit as well as like the first two? It's, it's like, it's not, it doesn't uh, reinvent the wheel. It's not, um, but okay. So maybe I should state that differently. It doesn't really tread a ton of new ground for this franchise okay. like it's it's but it, at the same time it doesn't feel like a by the numbers story either i will say that some of the things felt by the numbers like they had like a really uh they had this young kid in the movie who's sort of like um they don't really say he's like adopted or anything he's just like helena shaw is sort of just taking taking him in as like her, her protege and he's like you know basically the same age as uh kai Wan, um what, what was his name um he was in everything every wall at once. He was really famous uh, for the Indiana Jones franchise. Why am I forgetting his name? Um, Kai won? He won a bunch of awards for everything. I can't. He won the award. Kai Huai Kwan. That's his name. Key, there we Key go. Huai I was Kwan. like, what I, is his name? I'm mispronouncing his name. I'm butchering it. But he was like that young kid in like the original mm -hmm. movies yeah. that you know in the like so it was again because these this is a four quadrant movie you're appealing to the entire family so they had a kid in this movie i don't remember the name of the actor but like he played that kind of a role throughout the film and the big thing that i liked about this movie was each of those main characters had agency 
None of them were damsels in distress at any point in time. They were each able to fight their own battles and they were each able to rescue each other at some point or another. Uh, Indy gets shot at one point. I mean, you know, and then, it, well, he eventually survives. But like, you know, um, so everybody kind of goes through their trials and tribulations. You get some of those uh, signature moments like they're running through a tunnel and there's bugs falling from both sides. So and so you get the, you know, the jitters like as you're watching the movie, you know, the creepy crawlies. So definitely watch out for that if you are not into watching like spiders and and, and well, insects on the So I guess my biggest thing is like addressing the elephant in the room. Harrison Ford is 80 years old. Yeah. I, he's doing an adventure movie. It, he has to be doing a lot of movement. Like how does, how does he perform? Does, is it noticeable that he's getting much older? Like I feel like Keanu Reeves, because he does all of his own stunts, you could tell that he was moving slower than when you watch the original Matrix movies. Yeah. And like, Physically, these movies are a lot of work. It's long set days, 12, 14 hours. Like, I'm sure they allow yeah. Harrison Ford, like, shorter days, but it's still a lot of work. And so I'm, like, curious to know how his performance was. I actually remember thinking to myself, like, I was surprised, specifically in some scenes where I was like, he's moving like a very spry 80-year-old. Like, he is... And, and obviously there's a lot of stunt work in this movie. There's a lot of scenes where like, I'm sure he's not doing the stunts himself, but even the scenes where you can clearly tell, like he's the one going from like, he's running up the stairs or down the hallway or like he he's, there's a few shots where maybe he's the one swinging his arm to like yeah. land a punch. He moves really well for somebody his age and he's Which aged we quite love. well. I'm like, I think it's awesome. So, and he looks great yeah. for 80 years old. Didn't we talk about this? Like a, we talked about this. I want to say like months ago when it was first announced that they were going to be doing this movie, and I thought he was in his sixties, and you were like, "No, he's no. like <laughs> he's in, eighty years old." Yeah. And I was like, "He was in his sixties, like when so they came crazy. out with the last movie." <laughs> so. And he was so great, and he did so much of the stunts himself, which I yeah. love. I mean, Harrison Ford is always going to be like a James Dean kind of dude. Like we yeah. love him so much. He's going through um, a whole career renaissance right now. Like with he's got a show on Apple TV Plus. He's going to be a general oh, uh, he's going to be Thunderbolt Ross in the new Marvel movie. I forget it's it's like a um it's him and what is it? he's he's um I'm going to look this up real quick because mm. if you want to watch this show, this is a show that's getting great reviews. It's called Shrinking. It's Shrinking. him and and Jason Segel. So I think I have heard of it. It's it's wait it's a no, show. no no I've seen it. I've seen a couple episodes. I like didn't even realize it. He's yeah. great. He actually he does a really good job, and it's a little quippier. It's funnier. I haven't really seen Harrison Ford do like quippy like funny. He plays a completely funny. different character. It's great. Exactly, and that's it's really good, the thing about the show. show. He's playing like, he's playing a shrink. He's playing like a therapist yeah. to Jason Segel's character, and it's it's. Yeah, I mean, it's he's really you could tell that the Harrison Ford's having fun with the role, and in addition to that, he's obviously getting you know going back and doing a lot more movies now. You have like mm -hmm. got this Indiana Jones movie, which was a big send off. He got a standing ovation for his life and career at the Cannes Film Festival. He's gonna be in the Thunderbolts movie for Marvel now, playing the Thunderbolt Ross essentially, Yay. which used to be played by William Hurt, and then, you know he passed away over the course over the last couple of years. Why did you uh, laugh when you said that? I oh, don't know God. why I laughed. That was, I am so sorry. Um, but William Hart oh passed away God. a couple of years ago. So now you have uh, Harrison Ford taking over the role. Okay. I really, when they had first announced it, I was like, I don't know if I can see Harrison Ford. Because I've yeah. 
we've been seeing uh, William Hurt play that role for like the better part of a decade. And so um, it was like a... It's always, like, always kind of can... sad and like questions about it, which leads into our next yeah. conversation a little bit later. But just one more question. I wanted to... Oh, well, not even a question. The box office numbers are great. It's higher than projected. They are projecting this to be a bigger global opening than The Little Mermaid, which is huge. Yeah, I mean, the last I checked, it was opening domestically like 60, 65, and then worldwide like 140. And then that's over the three-day weekend. And I think if you count in Fourth of July and you add the five days together, it's even higher. Well, the number would be higher. So it's not bad. It's not so starting it's projected off projected 146 million um, for a five-day opening weekend. Little Mermaid had a four-day opening weekend, and I think only hit 118 mil. Yeah, and then the thing about Little Mermaid was, I mean, it's 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 snuck its way up to 500 to a very respectable oh, number. Oh yeah, like it's made like a half a billion dollars. Um, but the the thing about Little Mermaid is, I think what's holding it back and has held it back, and similarly with uh, uh, Across the Spider Verse, both of those movies have played really really well with the domestic u.s and canadian audiences however internationally they really have not done well so like that's held their numbers down uh, and then on the other flip side of that fast x really like tanked domestically pretty quickly but internationally it's pulling in huge numbers and that's where why so you know weird to me i'm like but, that see, that i i mean this might really yeah. piss off people that love those movies but there are too many of them it needs to end like I just feel like these actors are milking people for money at this point. Like, we get it. The story has played out. How many how many years are you going to be racing these cars? Like, yeah. I, I don't. They're not, they're not really even racing cars anymore. I think they stopped racing cars like a long time ago. Um, but the point of the, the movies. Make it stop. That, yeah. No, hey, look, I, I'll be honest with you. I think the, the last few movies have been declining in quality, like progressively yeah. getting worse. I think Furious 7 since then they've i mean well hobbs and shaw was a good movie hobbs and shaw was good it was a yeah. spinoff with the rock and and i like, uh, the, I like that actor um what is her i don't remember her name but i really like her from the crown she's she's really oh vanessa kirby yeah so she's her? yeah she's in the new mission impossible movie too so ah, we'll be seeing her uh soon um but but yeah I, as far as this movie goes indiana jones and Dow destiny i will say the budget for this movie was somewhere in 300 plus million dollars or like close to it and oh then you can imagine how much they spent on marketing they took it to con they've you know been throwing a lot of money at it because they need to to get the awareness out of this out there i just think this particular film is about five to six years too late because the franchise unlike star wars which has really you know, brought along a lot of the younger audiences through video games and comics mm. and other things while the movies were dormant. And then, you know, of course, they had the sequel trilogy, which uh, I don't know how many new fans it made or how many it lost, but whatever. Um, Indiana Jones, on the other hand, like the last movie came out 13 years ago, or actually more like 15 years ago. And then before then, they hadn't had a movie in like a decade or so. And so this fran- and this franchise hasn't really had a presence in other mediums like books or comic books or games. So there Wait, isn't there really an audience. Games, weren't they? It's, but it's not like Star Wars. Like, you know, it's yeah, not at that level. They like have it's, like I mean, you know, it's, sort of ideal, idealations. Of yeah, a lot of movies yeah. have video games, but like very few movies like have artists. the ability to kind of translate across to a video game. Like Star mm-hmm. Wars, there's like, if you play, play Star Wars Battlefront, any of those games, uh, or like the Jedi older games, like there's a lot of 
games where people there's fans of Star Wars that have barely seen any of the movies and have just played the games. So you can't really say the same for Indiana Jones. So I think for a franchise that really its audience is literally its fan base is literally getting older and older and dying because they were like in their prime back when Harrison Ford was uh, in his prime. It's it, it was going to be hard to pull in the kind of audience that the the kind of numbers that that ne- you would need to justify the budget that this movie has. So I do think for a movie that needs to make seven hundred odd million dollars to break even, it's going to struggle to get there. It will depend on how many le- how much le- legs it has because it's got Oppenheimer, Barbie. You've got Joyride coming out next week. Um, there's a bunch Mission Impossible coming out. So there's so many other big movies coming out in the next few weeks that it's going to be hard for Indiana Jones to really have the runway that it needs to make the money back to justify its budget. And I don't think it's going to make as much as the previous movie did, which I think was somewhere in the 700 million. If it makes it that far, it's broken even in a theatrical run. It may still break even post theatrical when, you know, with home theater, premium video on demand, whatever. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of movies out there this year that have flopped with bloated budgets like fast 10 at a budget they're of like just spending so much money on these movies it's like impossible to to break yeah. even i'm like yeah. these studios need to realize like look the box office is already still hurting from covid like yeah we are a year but or you so know removed what? i think that still. that's money spent in the sense that no matter what once it goes to streaming it will eventually through those contracts break even it will, but but back, but but why not like spend half as much money and more than break even in theaters, and then everything else is gravy from afterward. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. You could still make an argument that you. I mean, look, look, of the three hundred million they spent on Indiana Jones five, most of that, not a, most, but like a significant chunk of that budget went towards de aging yeah. Harrison Ford, and and so if you had done this movie like three four years after the previous one maybe you didn't have to de-age him so much like they all oh, and but one thing they did kind of explain i know that people are probably wondering that in this movie they explain how uh, or what happened to indy's son and uh oh, spoiler that alert, was one of my question earlier okay yeah i need to know okay so spoiler alert um shia labeouf's character who plays indy's uh, you know indy's son from uh, the kingdom of the crystal skull there is this one little monologue in this movie where Harrison Ford, uh, you know, kind of describes uh, Andy's like, well, um, he enlisted in the the war, the Vietnam War, um, and and you know, I would I would uh, well, there was a conversation where Phoebe Waller Bridges, uh, Helena Shaw asks him, um, what would you have if you were able to go back in time, what would you have done differently? And Andy, Andy replies by saying, well. I would have, uh, you know, gone and uh, talked to my son and told him not to enlist in the war. He did it to piss me off. And I would have told him that he would die and uh, then that his mother wouldn't be able to uh, uh, cope. And then it will it would uh, then I wouldn't be able to console her and it would end our marriage. And uh, so basically the movie starts at the beginning. There's like a separation notice, like a divorce papers. And so it's already kind of hinted at that his marriage is like basically done in the war. So they killed off Shia LaBeouf's character um, off screen, which I mean, yeah. the, the circumstances of it, like the in that scene, I'm like, I it don't care sense. if Shia LaBeouf was playing it. I feel for Indy because yeah. no, but you know, no parent should have to, uh, you know, uh, bury their their That's kid. Too or, sad. So. Okay, but yeah. you know. That wasn't the answer I wanted, but that's one of my biggest peeves is when they leave those threads open for you to be like, Mm -hmm. 
and too yeah. many movies have done it. Like yep. The Mummy. I'm sorry. What? You just you just recast Rachel White's like that? Like in the third movie for what? And no explanation. Her character is just played by somebody else. Like you've, yeah. you, you have lost I, there. Yeah, I mean, can I ask you? Like, would you would you go watch this movie? Yeah, don't know. I was actually really excited to do it, you guys. But I caught a red eye. I didn't sleep at all, and then I fell asleep. It was supposed to be an hour nap. I fell asleep for like three and a half hours, and my day was gone. But I think <laughs> I will still go see it. Yeah. Because okay. it's a nostalgia feeling, right? And then it's the feel good. It sort of resets the slate. As I said, I feel like I've seen, especially because I was catching up on the DCU, or not the DCU, the MCU. I get yeah. them all confused, y'all. I can't be the only one. Um, I was catching up on M MCU and watching it timeline by timeline. When I tell you I am sick of watching superheroes save the world every day, I'm done. I need a break. <laughs> I need a break. It was too much, yeah. too quick. So I, I did enjoy the difference, like the, the yeah. breath of fresh air this movie does provide. Exactly. Yeah. So I definitely will go see it. Uh, what are the critics saying? Critics are giving it around 60%? It's somewhere in the 60s. It's it, it's fluctuating still, but it's it's going to land somewhere in the mid-60s, ultimately. Yeah. Um, and, and, I feel and like it's the pretty for these movies. Yeah, I mean, look, like the Rotten Tomatoes score isn't exactly like a grade. The way it basically works is it's it's an aggregate score. So if it's a 65, let's say, means that for every 100 people that watched it, 65 liked it, 35 didn't. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good number. Like, you know, yeah. so like it's it's certified fresh at this point. It's got enough reviews to, to be that. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think this is the kind of movie because it appeals to families and it's a four true four quadrant movie like Top Gun Maverick was. I and I think this while it probably won't make a billion dollars like Top Gun Maverick did because you know it would have to really have legs to do that. Well, I also, don't think Disney's gonna the commit numbers, to, right? Like yeah. when you talk about Fast X having too many movies, and this is the fifth Indiana Jones, it doesn't yeah. have as much meat on it. Making yeah. a like a sequel to Top Gun, which was like the one and only that thirty years in the make, yeah, yeah. It's, it's also. I think there's a lot more, there, there's more big movies coming out after this mm -hmm. in the next few weeks than for Top Gun Maverick had basically an open runway, literally, That's to true. make as much money as it could. And then yeah, Paramount was committed to keeping it in theaters. Ha, yeah. ha, ha. So funny. <laughs> I did say literally. So, um, yeah, anyway. So um, I will say this. Uh, at the end of the day, if you guys want to check out Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny, Go check it out. But, you know, Matt Mickelson, Boyd Holbrook, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Harrison Ford. It's a fantastic movie. I had a really good time at it. It's a it's a good summer film. If you just want to go with your family, you want to you wanna get date night. If you just want to go by yourself, go watch this movie. It's a long two. It's two and a half hours. But and I felt it in a couple of spots. But overall, it's a it's a great experience. But go check it out. Hey guys, welcome to DCU Daily, and on today's show, the very first episode of DCU Daily, I mean, how can we not start this new universe, this new DC universe, than by talking about Superman Legacy, the first movie in the DCU. It's going to be starring, and now we know who is going to be starring, not only Superman, but also Lois Lane, and both of them have been cast now. David Cornsweet, he's going to be playing Clark Kent. And then Rachel Brosnahan, who you might know from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, is going to be playing Lois Lane. And so today with me, I've got Angelina, a special guest on DCU Daily. Um, 
Angelina, what do you think about these castings? Like, you know, both of these actors, they're not like A-listers, but like, and then, you know, they're varying degrees of experience. What do you think about their fit for these iconic characters? So, you know, it's actually interesting you say that because I think Rachel Brosnahan would be considered an A-lister in TV. This is mm-hmm. going to be one of the first major movies we've seen her in. I, before I read how many tests they did, because they did full hair and makeup tests for like for this casting they did it for a total of like three superman like full superman outfits they did so they gave them two week testing deals for each superman so they really really like they did the work they did their homework and they really did a i have to assume that they did a good job with casting right because the amount of time and effort that went into this is pretty extensive like that's probably the most amount of homework that casting directors will do and will ask for before roles are cast rachel brosnahan she's such a comic um so marvelous mrs Maisel is one of my favorite shows i think rachel is incredible i think she's brilliant she's a comedy actor though so like i'm a little bit intrigued but i have to i have to trust that the new DCU team it did their work and she has more to offer than what was shown but with that being said like I I don't know it's hard for me to see her like that because I've she's marvelous Mrs. Maisel she's literally playing a comic in the show she is a comic she's hilarious she's a great actor I just don't know if she sort of captures that Lois Lane sort of ingenue typecast i don't know yeah and corin sweat i just gotta say memes waiting to happen i'm so, what his name his name corin sweat does superman sweat corin sweat will yeah i mean maybe like you said <laughs> before we started doing this you're like there's gonna be probably some uh videos of him behind the scenes working out pumping some iron before he goes into it yeah. does like an action sequence and that's gonna become a meme corn sweat like that's David. I don't know. Like that's, I can see that. Like there's already Twitter's already had a field day with that. But look, I'll be honest with you. Like one thing that I looked at this casting and said is, okay, they're definitely going for something that's sort of in between what Henry Cavill's Superman was in terms of the Man of Steel and how that that take on the characters and what Christopher Reeves uh, and Margot Kidder, particularly with Lois Lane, I think we're kind of going, like Amy Adams was a great choice. I mean, fantastic actress, Academy Award winning actress, or at least Academy Award nominated. I I forget if she's won or not. But um, so, you know, great uh, resume, but I don't know if she was basically, it was, she was the, perfect fit for the role although in my opinion she grew into it i re- really liked her portrayal by the time we got to like the Zack Snyder justice league but um i think rachel brosnahan i think definitely fits that margot kidder sort of personality role i don't know how much it, we can infer regarding the quality of uh, or not the quality necessarily but the the take on the on these characters that superman legacy is going to have I know that James Gunn, who's going to be directing this movie, he's one of the the new leads of the DCU alongside Peter Safran. They have said that they want to make this Superman, you know, someone that, you know, you would love to just hug. And, you know, he's kindness in a world that looks down on that the the things of kindness as old fashioned. That's how he described the Superman. So, you know, I think those are some good sentiments. And I think this casting 
there's a lot of castings throughout history. Like when Heath Ledger were cast as Joker, when Christian Bale yeah. was cast as Batman, when Ben Affleck was cast as Batman, even Christopher Reeve was cast as Superman. People generally either they don't know what to expect or they think they, they already know that this is going to be really terrible. But then a lot of times you go and you watch the movie and you're like, well, they knew what they were doing. I mean, even in Bat, uh, Robert Pattinson playing Batman, Pattinson and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, like Twilight Boy, whatever. Okay, so basically i'm gonna say this this is going to be very interesting now 2025 is still a couple of years out and this movie has got a lot of work to do and it's probably gonna have to you know uh, sit through and better some strikes along the way uh so who knows how it's gonna get delayed you know with that but i'm glad that they were able to get this casting done before a potential actor strike happened yeah the two-week deal is gonna run out soon so I'm really happy to see uh, that they've got their, you know, two leads. And this is going to be the start of a whole new universe. So let's see where that goes. Um, and then, you know, for us, DCU Daily, we're going to be here Monday to Friday. We'll be talking about all things DCU mm-hmm. every week. And I'm glad that we got to start with talking about the casting for their first movie in this new universe. Yeah. Uh, but until next time, uh, you know, thanks for joining us in DCU Daily. Uh, we'll be back with more updates tomorrow and then the day after. All right. All right, let's talk about the SAG negotiations. They've been going on for a while. We know the WGA is still on strike. They're going on their third month in the strike now, and it doesn't look like there's an end inside to that. However, SAG, recently their contract with the AMPTP did expire at the end of July, uh, at the end of June, I should say. But now we are at basically in the middle of no man's land, if you're, you know, metaphorically speaking. But recently they announced that there's going to be an extension on the talks. So Angelina, where are the SAC negotiations, negotiations at and, and where are they headed? Uh, yeah. So as of June 30th, when the clock struck midnight, uh, SAG's contract was expired. Um, Prior to that, Fran Drescher, the SAG president, was in negotiations. So both sides sort of thought, hey, you know, negotiations, we're making some headway. We're not there yet. So they've all agreed to extend the contract until July 12th as of right now. So essentially the next week and a half is going to be no man's land. The contract is up. They're extending the contract sort of temporarily while they try to handle everything for the new contract. As of like two days ago, when I sat down and I did a lot of research on where we're at right now, they haven't made the headway they wanted. Um, There are like over 300 celebrities that are gung-ho and ready to strike. International guilds are not hopping on the actor strike like they were hopping on the WGA strike, which is quite surprising. I'll touch a little bit more on this on Quick Hits, which is going to be a new segment here in Oh So Curious, but... It's really interesting. Internationally, guilds are like, we don't want to strike. Like, we don't want to do that. They're treading very lightly. Whereas internationally, the like international guilds, writers guilds were very, like, very supportive of the WGA. So that sort of tells you where we're at right now. I think SAG doesn't want to strike. Obviously, they will if they have to. There are like 300 big celebrities in support of it internationally not so much we don't want to strike we're trying to work it out and you know originally the contract was only supposed to be extended until july 7th the fact that they extended it to july 12th to give it more time tells me that both sides really don't want to strike 
Yeah, I mean, that's two weeks. That's like a two week yeah. extension. So just for, for, for like a layman's terms, like basically what that means, and then you can tell me if I'm wrong, but the contract that was already in place is is still in effect so that if you are yeah. working any SAG, you know, contract uh, projects, um, you're still able to do that. Like you can still yeah. go to a casting, you can still go to the shoot that you, you have been cast in already until, you know, we get to a point where they do strike. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this big letter that came out of uh, a couple of days ago from like a bunch of like big A-list actors as well as, you know, a number of, it was like 300 actors or something. They all signed it and they said, look, we don't need to take a deal here. We don't need to compromise. We are willing to go to on strike, which, which, you know, I guess, yeah, the, the, and the biggest, the most well-known names are putting it out there. That means that they're willing to take the hit too. However, it's, not them who's going to be hurting the most if that strike does happen. That's kind of my point so, is like, you know, how many of those A-list actors are actually going to show up to the front lines and go strike? Like, right. And even if they did, they, I'm like, their bank accounts are not going to hurt as much. Their, yeah. you know, the ability to pay their bills is not going to be as affected as the, you know, like the thousands of people who are basically having to hustle every day for their next yeah. gig to make their ends meet. Now, Let's see where this thing goes. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see where the negotiations go from here. Obviously, uh, we still have the WGS strike happening. They have not come back to the table. It looks like the MPTP is not going back to that uh, negotiation until at least the SAG one is done. The DGA got their deal. Um, hopefully, you know we'll have a resolution to this soon because, well, all of Hollywood is literally hanging in the balance on this because otherwise yeah. whatever production is Everything left is, is going to get shut down. Yeah, literally the only thing still fully in full swing are soap operas because those were written way before. And so they're still filming and still coming out. But so many late night shows have gone dark. So many shows are waiting on castings. I like even just as an actor on the ground, commercials are popping out left and right. Commercial auditions left and right. Theatrical auditions, unless you're going for like a short film and you can't even really do SAG shorts or they're trying to do like micro budget SAG shorts, there's nothing going on right now. Casting directors are not casting. People are not putting up uh, stuff for agents to submit. It's just, it's all just waiting right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's affecting a lot of people's livelihoods. So let's hope that Uh, we get we get you know not only the SAG uh, situation resolved soon, but hopefully the WGA can come back to the table and they can you know hammer out a deal as well. So we'll be following the story here uh, at Oso Curious, and we'll you know kind of get back to you guys with more updates as they develop. But until then, uh, keeping our fingers crossed that you know SAG and the MPTP can strike a deal. All right. So uh, with that, let's. Uh, Take a look ahead to next week. So next week we have uh, another movie coming out. We have a couple of movies. We have Insidious, The Red Door, but then we also have Joyride. The one that we're going to focus on is Joyride. So, Angelina, let me ask you about Joyride. Like, A, have you heard of this movie? B, what do you think about this film, like having seen so or read about it? before today, I had absolutely not heard about it at all. I yeah. looked it up because it was on our show preview. I'm excited to see it. I think it's going to be cute. I really like uh, Stephanie Sue. That's how you pronounce her name. Stephanie I really Sue, yeah. love Stephanie Sue. And then Allie, what is, oh, Park. Ashley Park from. It's Ashley um, Park. Yeah. Ashley Park from, what is that really bad? She's, she was in Star Wars from? Vision. She, she, she voices a few characters there. She was oh, no, in Beef. Famous That's, for prior to that, seen- Emily in Paris. That's what she's famous for. 
That's she's what, in that like, show, the a Beef, as well. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah Emily yeah. in Paris is a big one. There's uh, Five Girls, Five Emma. Which... Beef, she plays an, a character I like more. Um, but she's been very much a supporting character and everything. It looks like she's the lead in this movie. So I'm kind of excited to see that and how she comes through. It's like um, an ensemble. Like, I, from yeah. what I've heard. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there'll be, yeah, they're kind of like a group of friends. Like, you described it when we were talking about a pre-show, yeah. like, like Hangover, except. That's like, what it, it, it seems like. Girls. Yeah. Like a feel-good hangover. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if it's all women, is it? I think it's like three women and one dude. I well, yeah, I think so, but it's mostly like it's it's definitely aimed at like a female audience, but yeah. it's like a raunchy comedy. It's yeah. you're the, actually yeah, you're right. There was like one. They yeah. they they referenced debauchery, and I'm like women <laughs> doing debauchery. I love women doing debauchery. Yeah, there was at I think it was at CinemaCon or one of the recent cons. Um, mm. The director mentioned that the original title for this movie was not Joyride; it was Joy Fuck Club, and they changed it before they took it they said, to that seems to a distribution. Extreme. Um, yeah, I think the idea probably was: look, is it rated R? We get it, but like we, the Lionsgate, I think, is the, the studio that's making uh, promoting this movie. Their their marketing partner was like, look. We, we want to make some money here. And then, you know, some people they might just look just at that other go, title. Oh, can't go all crazy out here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the, the person uh, directing this movie directed Crazy Rich Asians. So there's definitely a good pedigree here in terms of quality. So, and as far as comedies go, I mean, you know, we had No Hard Feelings come out recently, which seems to be doing relatively well for comedy. It's not really a breakout hit like the Hangover movies were. There's not a lot of big comedies being made today. You know, like Seth Rogen produced this movie. So again, you have another uh, big time in name who's known for good comedies. It's the kind of movie that can help revive the genre, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hangover, you—you still so good. Like I feel like it's going to be like a, like a hangover. But I'm so excited to see it. So ultimately, this movie is going to be coming out on a weekend where it doesn't have a lot of competition because Insidious, as a horror film, it's the wrapping up a franchise that has been getting you know it's a lot of diminishing returns with its recent entries. And but you know what? Are people going to go see it over Indiana Jones? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, well. Look, yeah. Spider-Man Way Across different. the Spider-Verse topped last weekend yeah. in like its fifth weekend. So even that is still going strong. You have the Little mm-hmm. Mermaid still out there. You still have the Flash. You have, I think, Guardians of the Galaxy is still there somewhere if you want to still go see that for maybe another week or two. So there's a lot of competition. And certainly Indiana Jones yeah. and, and the Dial of Destiny is out there too. So uh, I will say if you want to go watch a new movie and you want to watch go, go watch a comedy or a horror um, Insidious is going to be probably the biggest and the only horror movie, you know, that's still relatively new on the marquee. Also, who and then Joyride is coming. Mm-hmm. Who releases a horror movie during the summer? I'm like, it's I've seen. Well, you if there's any because this is a franchise horror film, so I'd see why they released it in the summer. Um, however, I, I well, I think the timing isn't bad. Let's just say that because this is one of those summers where after a number of years, we're getting big movies almost every week. And this happens to be a weekend where Joyride is your only other big new movie competition. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see many weekends this summer where you have that. So, uh, yeah, for a movie that's meant to wrap up this franchise before James Wan moves full time over to Blumhouse, away from Warner Brothers, um, 
I think he might still be doing stuff with Warner Brothers, but it looks like James Wan is exiting the franchise, so they're wrapping things up. They've already been kind of down. Uh, like, each of the last few movies has been doing less and less in terms of the box office. And they released yeah. the last one day and date on HBO Max when they were doing that for a year. So Insidious, I don't think, is going to be a big competition. I am excited to see how well Joyride performs, especially with the reviews. I mean, let's see what the reviewers say, and then hopefully the audience rating will be high, too. We're going to go watch it next week. We'll talk about it. Um, and then the week after that, things will get really interesting because I think then we start getting into Barbie Oppenheimer territory and Mission Impossible, like all of those other big movies that are going to be – I think the, the July is going to be a fantastic month yeah. Yeah, movies. I'm so, really um, excited about Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah. Recently, Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie like posted on Instagram. I think it was on Variety that I, Instagram that I saw it, and they were like they had their ticket stubs. They were looking and they were posing in front of the Oppenheimer poster. Hey, like hey, we're gonna go see Oppenheimer. Up. Go support. Like you know, I'm like ah, oh, that's I get sweet. The camaraderie. Um, that is sweet. Yeah. They're they're two movies that really don't. I mean, there's gonna be crossover in audiences, but they're they don't targeting really compete. Yeah. Very different Other than the weekend. Of, yeah. Like they're not competing. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Christopher Nolan is is like the person that I look up to as yeah. the, like the filmmaker that I. Would I think Cillian Murphy is like one of the best actors yeah. of our time, and I think he's so underrated. So I'm so excited, yeah. so excited. Yeah, I'm excited because he's been in so many Christopher Nolan movies over the years, yeah. and never the lead. He's always playing some side character, some supporting act uh, character. So I'm excited to see him lead this, and it's for him as, as for his career. It, yeah. I think this is gonna be his first like big lead role in a feature so i'm yeah, excited in a to feature. see it. i think Peaky Blinders it. really changed everything for yeah. him which needed to happen he's so yeah. good in Peaky. And, you guys haven't gone to go see Peaky that. Blinders yet i feel like there's a weird amount of people <laughs> that haven't seen that show it's on netflix go watch it it's i'm one of those good. people and i still have to go watch it are you for reals Dan, yeah, not, I wasn't even trying seen... to like come for you. You have to go no, watch no, it. Yeah, I'm gonna go watch it. Trust me, because I know there's they're, they're doing more. Even though the sh- the main line show ended, I think, I think they're, they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna do a, sh- and... a movie. I think. Yeah, so they're not done. So yeah, there's still more to come. So yeah, I'm gonna go check it out. It's it's just it's, there's so many seasons. Whenever there's a show that Just I'm watch off... the first season and then you're hooked. Okay, well, fair fair enough. I'll yeah. give it a shot. All right, well, you go watch Joyride next week. I'll go watch yeah. Peaky Blinders. Then we'll come back and compare our notes and see wh- where we are at with <laughs> with each of those things. Completely different Two, vibes, two yeah. very different experiences. Um, okay, all right. Well, with that, I think we, we have hit the end of the show here today. Uh, we'll be back throughout the week with other content, with other news updates. And uh, then we'll be back next weekend talking about Joyride and who knows what else. Maybe there'll be a SAG deal in place. Maybe we'll have more castings mm-hmm. for the Superman movie. Um, <laughs> and who knows maybe there'll be something completely unexpected out of the blue that happens that we'll get to talk about as well but until then Angelina thanks for joining me on this lovely weekend uh, you are of course in Miami I am still very jealous of the fact that you are in Miami because the view is a lot better than what I've got um, <laughs> but uh, hopefully I'll get to go go out and, and, and have a vacation with the summer <laughs> until then let's, let's stay curious we'll be back next Bye. week